so he's got a runner. Basically, he's got a dude outside the house at all times, just sitting in his car 24 hours a day. It's a personal DoorDash. So if he ever needed something, I don't know if you noticed, he was like, oh, I want to play Settlers of Catan. So he's like, hey, can you go get Catan? And the guy would just run to the store, go get Catan, and bring it back within 15 what? minutes. What? He was outside our house? The whole time. And he's outside <laughs> the studio. Wherever he goes, these two people are there. 12-hour shifts each. So 24 hours a day, he's got somebody just watching his back. All right, so I guess we we're all gonna we all want to talk about the same thing, right? Yeah, this is gonna be the Camp MFM recap episode. I'm pretty sure that's all we're gonna talk about because it was kind of amazing, and I got a lot of things to say. I have a lot of things to say. Let me set the background because you're the one who organized it, so I think you need a third party here. So basically, a month ago, Sean said I'm gonna organize a basketball weekend. And I want you to come and I'm going to invite some other people. Please Venmo me $1,800 and show up at this address at this time. That's pretty much all I knew about. I didn't know anything <laughs> else. And I think it was three weeks in advance, right? Yeah, something like that. Three, four weeks in advance. And in between then, it got sort of canceled and put back on again. Because well, at I first, didn't know that. I couldn't, first, I couldn't get anybody to come. Uh, I invited five people. The first Of the first five people, only one said yes. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this idea is only good in my head. And Ben, not producer Ben, business partner Ben, pushed it through. He was like, no, nah, I think we could do it. And then we ended up with like 27 people there. So and oftentimes kind of like, when I'm saying Sean is doing X, Y, and Z, in reality, I mean Ben. So Ben was, it seemed yeah. like was really the backbone here. You maybe had the idea. I don't know who had the idea, but Ben Levy was the guy and he did a really good job. So basically three weeks out, it just says, hey, uh, come to North Carolina uh, in Raleigh by, near Duke. And we're going to have a basketball camp and just show up. That's all I knew. And then I get an email. I book my flight. I sent you $1,800. I, uh, I, I, a day before you send out who's coming. And it was like me and you, both Ben's, uh, a couple of HubSpot people like Jonathan. And then it was like Hassan, Minha Hassan Minhaj. It was Mr. Beast. And it was like 20 other really amazing entrepreneurs. And you rented out this, shoot, I don't know. Farm, like uh, basically. Or farm. It's, it's with like a binary, like, yeah. Yeah, with like a lake and a zip line going into the lake. And it was like 24 entrepreneurs. And you hired this amazing basketball trainer who was also an entrepreneur. So he like fit in and was really insightful. And we, uh, you had like, you kind of half-assed the incredibly unimportant things. Like there was like, when we went and played basketball, I was like, hey, is there any food here? And you're like, well, there's just a bunch of boxes of Cliff Bars. Uh, and like, oh, okay, that's okay. I'm okay with half ass on that thing. So anyway, we all stayed in these two Airbnbs and just played like board games and like acted like 12 year olds for uh, like two nights. And it was amazing. It was so cool. Yeah, it was basically a summer camp for grownups. And um, the origin of it is pretty simple. Like I like I love meeting new people, I should say. I actually genuinely love meeting new people. In fact, the podcast was originally started as an excuse to just get to talk to really fascinating, interesting people. But I hate most of the traditional ways to do it. I don't like going to conferences. I don't like going to networking events. I hate just being like, hey, you want to grab coffee? Um, so, so I basically was like, look, there's a bunch of people who I think are dope. I would love to hang out with them, get to know them, you know, Strangers become friends, friends become lovers, that whole, that whole thing. And then finally, I was like, what if I just did it instead of a networking event or a conference? Like, what if we just did it with something that 
uh, it would be dope no matter who came. And so we had this idea for a basketball getaway. And we we're like, all right, here's the criteria. They love basketball. Number two, they're a great hang. And number, which is just great hangout with. And number three, that they can teach us something because they're a baller in their own craft, whatever that craft is. And so that's why we had people in the house that had built billion dollar companies. We had people who bootstrapped their way into, you know, tens of millions. And that's where they were. We had people that were entertainers like Mr. Beast or Hassan, who had millions and millions of fans and were creative talents. We had people that used to be in the NSA. We had a bunch of people from different backgrounds come up and, uh, and join this thing. So that was the criteria. And that's basically how it played out. And I'm pretty sure, by the way, that it was the best weekend of Ben's life. Like, Ben, I don't ben know if Wilson? you got married. Over, ben Wilson. Well, I don't know if you I, got I, married over the weekend, but I want to talk about Ben. I want to talk about Ben in the middle or the end. But I have a feeling I told Ben before we recorded, I go, Ben, the next six months in your life, are, I think are going to have the most change you've ever experienced in your life. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. All right, it's time for a little ad break. I got to tell you about HubSpot's HubSpot for Startups program. So if you're a startup and you're trying to grow, this thing is pretty great. You get a huge discount, 30 to 90% off on a tool that your whole sales and marketing team can use to help you scale as you grow. We use this in our companies. I think you should too. They have tons of resources. They got great customer support, tons of integration with popular apps that you use. You got to check it out. So it's the HubSpot for Startups program. You can check it out at HubSpot.com slash startups. In fact, I was going to text you something very, very similar, which is like, I don't know if you realize this yet, but your life is about to change uh, because you can't really yeah. go through. Um, you can't just be surrounded by wildly ambitious people who like and believe in you and uh, spend time, you know, seeing other people who have realized their dream come true and not go back to your house and look at yourself a little differently in the mirror. Like you're going to look at yourself and be like, all right. Let's turn that ambition knob up two notches, right? Let's ha let's turn that faith and belief in myself up because I saw that these people are no smarter, better than me. They're just people like me. There's they just went for it, dude. And all the go smarter, turn the knob up. all those quote smarter, quote better, quote more successful people were looking up to Ben. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, and well, well and there was just a feeling of I, I wouldn't even say looking up necessarily. It's more like equals. I think everybody everybody there viewed themselves as an equal to everybody else. I'm sure everybody there had a moment where they were like, dude, I'm way out of place. Some people are like the basketball. They're like, oh, you know, I, I play basketball, but I'm not really like that into basketball. So some people maybe felt out of place there a little bit. Some people felt out of place in the house because they didn't know anybody. They saw everybody else, you know, half the people knew the other half, but, but some people knew nobody coming in and half the people. And then some people I bet felt out of place because they said, wow, I'm talking to this guy who's, you know, leaps and bounds further ahead in their business career. But everybody had to deal with that and then come to terms with that. I think that's, you know, part of it's part of the part of the challenge. So say your piece, Ben, and then I actually want to come back to you. And then me and Sean, uh, Sean, I want to go like you go, I go, you go, I go of like the things that we learned this weekend, because I know that you have a list and I have a list. Yeah, great. So, Ben, do a quick one first. Uh, there's just so much to say. It was one of the best weekends of my life. It's so amazing. I, Sean, I just I guess I would ask. There's like a really special feeling that is very difficult to convey uh, throughout the entire weekend. You guys touched on it a little bit of just like no egos, even though people are at very different places. Like there was just this really feeling of openness and connection. And like, even though there were these really, really successful people in all these different domains, like very little dick swinging, like everyone just... Uh, on the same level, learning from each other. Uh, it was very cool. Sean, like, what do you think it was that went into this weekend that created that environment where people were able to like feel that way and be that way with each other? 
I think it's three things. You actually mentioned two of them. First was the weekend felt very special. And I think that with you, when people feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, when people uh, have a little bit of awe or intrigue or curiosity or fear, even they get out of, they're out of their comfort zone. And so part of it was if you make something that, that feels special, that feels different, that inspires some awe or some, they, they, they don't know what's coming next. It brings everybody back to sort of like an equal footing of the sort of a childlike thing. I remember when, uh, so we invited Alex Basil, who's a trainer to, to a bunch of NBA stars like Kyrie Irving and Trey Young. And this guy's like, you know, he's like the top of his craft. He trains like he came from training like, you know, Kevin Durant to us. He sent us a clip. He's like, here's what I was doing today. Tomorrow I'll be seeing you schmucks. And like, right, like, you know, but that first five minutes, I would say when he had us doing very simple like drills, everybody was spread throughout this whole private gym that we had rented and we're all literally dribbling the ball almost a- accidentally in unison, like that old Nike commercial where all the the, thing, the beats sync, sync up. There was little pockets, little moments like that where it just felt special. And, um, you know, so so I think that's the first piece is you got to give people a feeling that they're part of something bigger than themselves. Number two, um, you invite people who are inherently curious. So everybody there, I would say, actually has an ego. Everybody there has an ego, otherwise they wouldn't get to where they were. But bigger than their ego is their curiosity. And so as long as you can create the curiosity factor where, who's this person? Oh, they're interesting. Oh, they're interesting. They're interesting. Then again, the attention goes, they're so used to attention being on them. They're so used to being the most interesting person in the room. So you want people who are naturally curious about the people around them. So even the sort of quote unquote celebrities or kind of the big hitters that we had in the house that were maybe the, the wealthiest or the most popular people that were there. I picked specifically people that in my limited interaction with them, they were very curious. Like, for example, um, when you had first met Mr. Beast, you met him before we did. You were like, yeah, he just called me. And he was like, yeah, I'm on this walk. I do this every night. I just call somebody and say, yo, teach me something. And I said, already I know everything I need to know about this person. Same thing. When Hassan came on the, the podcast, he asked me more questions than I asked him. I felt bad afterwards. I was like, dude, I just blew the podcast because he <laughs> was asking me questions. I'm supposed to ask him. Nobody gives a shit about me. They wanted to know from him. But that showed me like he would fit into this group because he would be curious about, oh, what's this real estate guy doing? What's this guy doing who's rolling up like those claw machines at amusement parks and pinball machines? And like, that's what this guy does. And he's building a little mini empire doing that, right? You need somebody who's curious. Otherwise, they would just be like, that's weird. I don't know. Stay away from me, right? You're different. Okay, what's your third? I would say the third was the immersion. So it wasn't like a, you couldn't get away. For better or for worse, like normally yeah. you go to a dinner, you sit there for three hours. It's sort of a safe space. You know the routine and then you leave and you get to go back to your place. So you can you can stay surface level with a lot of people with this. It's like, dude, I'm sleeping in the same room as somebody else. Sometimes I'm definitely under one roof for the house. We're eating breakfast together, lunch together, dinner together. We're figuring out logistics. Oh, you want to shower first or me? So you get people out. Dude, of, I shared a room with two other guys. Yeah, exactly. So I think like, Ben shared a bed. <laughs> yeah, ben, ben had one of our a- crashers, so I think he had to. You you invited him, so you had to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but I think that's the other thing is so immersive that there's nowhere to run, and at some point you're gonna just be your real self because you can only fake the funk for so long. You can do it for two hours, three hours, four hours. By hour five, you're just gonna be sitting there, you know, tired and cranky, and you're gonna be your real self. And like that's just the way it was. So I think that those are the three things I would say that like created that environment. Well, and I was going to say it started from the top down. I mean, I would 
I would say mostly it was your brand. Partially it was the brand you and I have created together, which is actually similar to both our personalities. But basically, like you're a casual person. You're a relatively low ego person, as in like you're easy to be around. And it kind of stemmed from 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 that. So, so I think that actually matters a lot. Um, and it was like the house we were in was kind of like gross, but in a cool way. Like people on my Twitter were like, dude, that's a sick set. You made it look like a grandma's house. I'm like, oh no, that's just like this woman's uh, bedroom. (laughs) It just looked like that. Um, All right. Can we get into like some of the stuff? I've got one. Do you want to go first? I've got one on intensity. All right. So, all right. So for the, if you're under 35 and you maybe don't know who Mr. Beast is, he's a YouTuber who's only 24. Maybe he's got a hundred million subscribers, really big business that makes nine figures a year. And he just makes tons of videos that gets viewed by a lot of the world. So I have an interesting story about him. So we were in a car and I was talking about like a popular band or politics or something. I think we were even talking about a movie like Harry Potter. And I could tell that he didn't, he wasn't registering what we were talking about. He was trying to partake in the conversation and be polite, but I could tell that he didn't, he didn't like know what I was saying. And I said something to him. I go, Hey, have you ever heard about this thing? And I think it was like Harry Potter or something, or it was like, it was like (laughs) something like mainstream. And he goes, No, I I really, I I just don't know anything about that. I've never seen that. And I could tell that he didn't know this about a lot of things. And I said, what's going on? How do you not know about this? And he goes, when I was young, I made a goal when I was 15, when I was young, 15, I made a goal to be the most popular YouTuber in the world. And I pretty much stopped paying attention to everything else. So if whatever you're talking about is not part of like YouTube culture, I don't know what it is. And that was incredibly interesting to me. And he said a few other things that showed his intensity. The the second thing was, um, he said, um, I've gotten so big and I've like studied and gotten great at my craft that I can't really learn too much from other YouTubers. So I talk to a lot of experts on human behavior and researchers in order to improve my craft. And also I don't really have work weeks. So I just kind of work and I get obsessed over stuff and I roll out of bed at 10 or 8 a.m. or whenever it is. And my team like tells me what I have to do. And then I just work all night until I get tired and I go to bed and I work seven days a week. And then occasionally I get burnt out and I take a couple of days or however long I need to recharge. And then I do it again. I don't pay attention to uh, the normal work week. The third thing that he did was he didn't care about rules. So Sean and I did a podcast <laughs> with him at about a, it ended at like 11 p.m. And Hassan made a joke like, you want to go play ball? And uh, Jimmy was like, uh, Mr. Beast's real name is Jimmy. He goes, um, yeah, let's go right now. And as he said that, his two coworkers that were with him started getting on the phone, calling high schools, principals of schools, like all these people in order to get a basketball court. And we couldn't, we couldn't make it happen. But he was like really, really uh, going after that to make that happen. And I thought that was crazy interesting. And once someone said something to him, someone said something like, well, what if they like don't let us for insurance reasons? And he goes, well, just tell them we'll give them a million dollars if someone gets hurt. And it was just so funny that he wasn't. He, he goes, that usually does the trick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how many times have you done this, bro? And he just didn't pay attention to, to rules. I thought that was interesting. All right, everyone, a quick break, because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called Money Wise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10,000, 30,000, 50,000? And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called Money Wise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? 
The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm the Sam Parr. Or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm going to con- uh, contrast that with this uh, other person. I'm not going to say his name, but you know who, I am, uh, who I'm talking about. He was a young guy in his 30s. He might have been the wealthiest person there, and he wholly owned a business that was worth probably 500 to $800 million, and it made tens of millions um, uh, a year in profit. And he basically told me that he worked really hard to get it going, but now he works one week a month, one week, and then the other week a month, he likes to travel. And then the other two weeks of the month, he's just kind of searching. So his company, he owns a bunch of companies. The other two weeks, he's just online searching for other deals and companies to buy, but at a fairly casual pace. And I thought this was interesting because these two guys were the exact opposite of when you met them. One guy, you'd be like, oh, you're easy to be around. You're well-balanced. The other guy, Jimmy, not well-balanced at all. But both of them had this laser-focused intensity of when they're on, they're on. And they played uh, their game at a really, really high, uh, highly levered. So lots of leverage uh, at at that type of scale where it was just like anytime if I make a decision, the outcome is potentially big and I don't always have to make a lot of decisions. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. And in fact, I think we could probably do a two episode series literally just on Mr. Beast because um, and and I don't mean that because I'm a fan. Like, in fact, I. I, I watched some I, of his I watched videos. them after. I, I like, yeah, I've, I've watched a couple of his videos. It's not like I went in being like, ooh, this guy's my favorite. You know, like, it's not that, right? Like, I, he, I watched a couple of videos. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. That's cool. I get why that works. But like, you know, whatever. It's kind of a dumb, uh, you know, kind of a dumb video thing. But it's like, you know, it appeals to people. It's good, good. It's good, good fun. And um, so it's not that. But I am now a much bigger fan of him after seeing how he operates. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. So you didn't go for this, but a couple of us who arrived the day before uh, Ben was there, we got to go visit his studios and we got to go tour his production facility, which is like, I don't know, Ben, how big is that place? Like 50,000 square feet or something like that. Like basically an airplane hangar, right? Imagine a giant airplane hangar. And on one end, they're like, Oh, we're building this set over here. It's like a Hollywood production thing. So there's four production teams like individually that are each creating different videos at the same time because they're all going to get released, you know, next month or whatever. And you're like in rural North Carolina. People make this pilgrimage out to go see Warren Buffett and they call him the Oracle of Omaha. And I was like, man, we're, we're driving, we're making this pilgrimage. We're driving two hours after we, we flew six hours to get there. Yeah. But I was like, where are we? And where are we going for this pilgrimage? And I was like, and so we get out there, but it's like, had that same thing. Very special. You go there and it's like this group of people who are all singularly focused on one mission, which was 
to create the best videos possible, to create the best videos that get the biggest reactions that, you know, like, and that's all they were all doing 24 seven. They were all just working on that. So I'm going to tell you a couple of, of kind of amazing stories from that. So we go, first of all, we get into one of his videos. So in one of his videos, like they're filming the grand finale when the person, you know, either wins or loses the money. And uh, so we're like in that video now uh, as just like random bystanders. But the second thing was we were like, so what is your, um, like, what's your model, dude? And his model is basically this. He started off making videos with no money, just him in his bedroom doing dumb stuff. Like I'm going to say Logan Paul's name 100,000 times. I'm going to take this plastic knife and I'm going to cut through. I'm going to saw through this plastic table in the next 48 hours. And he just sat there taking a jagged, you know, picnic like, you know, plastic knife and trying to cut through the table. He would just do stuff like that. No budget, no whatever. But he knew he understood even at that time, like, OK, what would get somebody's attention? What would make them laugh? What would make them watch? What's a, a bit of a spectacle? Low budget spectacles. Now he's doing high budget spectacles. Like we get there, there's a camera flying above us. There's fireworks and smoke bombs and there's crazy stuff going on, right? Because now he's investing, I think on average, Ben, what is it like half a million or a million dollars no, per video or something he, I like that? I think he said 1.5. 1.5, yeah. 1.5 million dollars per video just on the production. That's kind of insane. And so um, the thing I admired the most about him was, okay, in that house, there was, let's say 25, all, everybody there was entrepreneurial. So if I said, who here is entrepreneurial? How many out, out, of, out of, let's just pretend out of 100%, how many people would raise their hand? Almost all. Okay, 100, we were at 100 out of 100. I said, who here has a clear vision of what they want? Now, how many people do you think are raising their hand? 60. Okay. Maybe 70. I say, who here can think about that vision and can honestly say that it is wildly ambitious? Like Mr. Beast's ambition is to be, you know, a billionaire YouTube creator to get to a billion followers and make billions of dollars. He has told me that he wants to be one of the richest men on the planet, the most famous person on the planet and president. So, okay, that's his ambition. Yeah. What's yours, right? So um, how many could just say in their own right that I'm thinking really big? I'm thinking wildly ambitious. So we're at 60%. Where are we at now? Maybe 20. Okay, we're, down down. To, we're down to 20%. And now if I ask the last question, the most important question of them all, I said, who here is truly and totally obsessed. Meaning you are willing to give every hour of your day, every dollar you create, you're willing to reinvest back into your thing. You don't take anything off the table. You don't hedge. You don't buy that nice house. You don't buy those fancy cars. You don't put it away for, for your kids. You, you wake up, you do your thing till you pass out and you are getting every hour, every dollar and every ounce of your soul might, to that ambition. How many people are left? How many, what percent are left raising their hand? How many people? He, are he might be the only one. And I would say, well, it's also because he was the youngest, but that could just, you know, it could play out where even if he's not the youngest, he still would have behaved that way. He would be the only one. And that's not just about that house. I could go down into San Francisco. I could say, hey, gather around every venture backed founder here. I could go into... Uh, every, I can go to a, a, a gymnasium full of people who all say they want to be a big YouTuber, or all say they want to be a comedian. Which, or by the athlete. way, th th this isn't necessarily a good thing. It could be a good thing. It could also, I think, be his downfall. I think it's an incredible thing. I don't necessarily mean it's a healthy thing, but I think it it was honestly just kind of stunning. I, oh, oh, yeah, I, like it, it was absolutely stunning. I agree with you, but I, uh, but I'm saying it, it it could go either way. It could be, uh, you know, a sh the strength could become the weakness. 
there's a reason most people don't do it, I think is what you're saying, which is like, there's a price that comes with that. And that price is a price that most of us will not pay. What do you think, think Ben? I just think there's a couple things he said throughout the weekend that I was like, oh, this guy is so successful. But he, to Sam's point, like he's on a knife's edge. If you play out his life a hundred times, I think in like 25 or 30 of them, he literally ends up on the street as just like an addict because he does have that obsessive <laughs> personality. And if he had ended up for whatever reason, obsessed with not the right thing, that's the way it would have gone. I also think okay, so that if he, if he, if we had a list of like, I have a list of like three things that might be his downfall. Keep in mind, the guy is like 24, so he's going to evolve quickly. Um, but one, he was incredibly naive about business, which is actually a pro, I think in a lot of cases, but in his case, um, I think that like you have to get a little bit less naive and learn a little bit more about business. You know, the thing you said about him cutting through a table with a plastic knife, that's kind of how he's done his life. He's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just like brute force his way. And I think that's great. That can get you a long way. But in order to last and be as big as he wants to be like a Bezos, you got to have a little bit more uh, sophistication as you grow. He's got plenty of time though. The second thing is hiring. I think that um, he kind of told stories that it made me seem, it made it seem like he just hired his friends and it's like, Hey, you're fun. You want to do this? Uh, That I don't think that's going to cut it either. And then the third thing is company building. We asked him on the pod about uh, like work hours and about like meetings and it, uh, he, I, I actually don't remember if he did it. I don't think he did a great job of answering it, but the vibe that I got was it was like a little bit like just whatever Jimmy wants, Jimmy gets. And I think that's okay for a little while, but in order to be as big as he wants to be, you got to have a little bit more company building, a little more process oriented, things like that, that are kind of the antithesis of like being a cool YouTuber in, in many regards. So I'll disagree with you on a couple of those. I think that, um, First of all, I think he's 24. So I remember when I was 24, 24, I became a CEO for the first time of like a real company, a company that had revenue and uh, employees that were not like my two best friends from college. And where he's at at 24 and where I was at at 24 is like if me and Usain Bolt go and run a race. It's like there there is such a like. On one hand, he's sitting in a room. I think the you know the oldest person in our, in our group was maybe 43, and the, you know, I would say the average age was maybe like. 34, 35, something like that. Uh, probably something like yeah, that. Yeah, by the way, I'm not insulting him. I'm incredibly impressed. Right. So I just uh, think where he's at on the learning curve, like, yeah, there is no shortcut to the learning curve. You've got to learn all these lessons. But where he's at is actually pretty far along. And the brute force approach actually works. Uh, like you said, there is a strength to that. And I and I think that if you're just what he's, if you're doing what he's doing, which is you're just like, F it, I'm doing it. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to go all in and I'm going to repeatedly go all in until this, like, just, I just find a way to make this work. Um, I think that overcomes a lot of the like mistakes you're going to make, right? Because- maybe for the first, maybe for the first billion or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think that that is a great attitude. And what he proved is that you could have that attitude for a like late stage in, in your career, even though he's 24, like he's got late stage in terms of results, even though he's probably in 10%, 100%. In most cases, he's late, he's late stage, but, um, in order to get as big as he wants, he said he wanted to build multiple uh, 10 billion, even I think he said a hundred billion dollar company. You know, that's we're talking Walmart, you know, like you, 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 you can't always bet the farm at that size. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had an initial reaction to him that was sort of like there was a part of me that was like, ah, fuck this guy. Right. And not because he did anything bad. He's totally nice. But there was something that was like his ambition is almost uncomfortable. 
to where it's you're uncomfortable. like, where you're like, I'm not talking to somebody who's re who they don't live in the same reality that I live in. Um, and so my initial reaction was like, okay, you're saying things that don't either, they don't make sense or it's like too like one-sided or it's like just like pure unadulterated, like raw ambition. And there's something uncomfortable about that. Cause I kind of like people that are like, like one of the things I admire is people who are well-balanced. So I, I told him this when I was talking to him, I was like, he was basically like, I admire Elon, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos. Like, these are the people that I admire. I'm like them. I'm wired like them. And I like to hang out with people like them. And I go, yeah, I'm not like them. <laughs> and we're on the phone. And now there's like, a, you know, like a 10 second uncomfortable <laughs> silence because it was true. I was like, what am I going to do? Pr pretend I am? No, uh, I could just, you know, I'm going to say what's real. And I was like, you know, I was like, that doesn't mean I'm not ambitious. My, I just point my ambition at a different outcome. So just those guys up. all... Those guys all created like world changing, like they were, the, they became the wealthiest men on earth. They um, created like, you know, world changing, like spectacles, like landing rockets, on, you know, self-landing rockets, self-driving cars, electric cars, all this crazy stuff, right? Uh, created the iPhone. So those people, they were wildly ambitious in that way. There are other people that are wildly ambitious in other ways. I said, you know, like somebody I look up to, I've modeled myself after is like Naval. I think he's really successful in business, but also he's revered because of his wisdom, not because he created the yeah. iPhone, right? Like, you know, he hasn't gone through five marriages and breakups and like, you know, he hasn't like been bankrupt and then back to the top and then is depressed, but he's super successful. It's like, to me, that's not winning, but I get it that for other people, there is winning. I'm glad there's people who think that's winning because they're the yeah. ones who are going to create the next iPhone and create the next Tesla. And, but I just was explaining that to him. And I think that th that was the only, I don't actually think he's naive about business. I don't actually think he's about anything. I just think like, when you, when you have your play style, it's very sexy to be like, my play style is the play style. My, my play style is the one is the cool one. And all the other ones are weak for these other reasons. And I think as people get older, they really start to respect other people's play styles. I think this has happened for most of the people I, I really get along with where they're like, it's like, yeah, they can admire a billionaire as much as they could admire a single mother. Cause they're like, Dude, these are just different games, but I really I I can right, 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 I right, can right. admire and not in like a token, just saying the right thing kind of way. Like they truly feel it in their heart. Like, um, like you know, like they truly feel that. Wow, what you're doing is your Super Bowl, and I respect well, the, the way you approach your Super Bowl. And your Super Bowl is just as valid as my Super Bowl. Even yeah, if they're totally different. That, that's a great way to put it. The way that I also put it is, I say I don't care about money. I care about people who like actualize their dreams and their dream could be right. to be the best parent. Their dream could be to be a billionaire. It could be to be an athlete, to be strong, to be skinny. I don't care what exactly your dream is. I just want to see you achieve it. And that makes me happy when I see someone going places. And it just so happens that money and traditional success is a very practical way to measure that or to like achieve it. Like it just says like, well, I just do this business thing as right. opposed to being the best parent. It's a little bit more challenging, but yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. We have another friend, or I have a friend. You uh, you've met him. I don't know if you I don't know if you love the guy or hate the guy because he also is uncomfortably ambitious. You remember he came to a dinner with us. I don't want to say his name, but uh, he came to a dinner with us once, and you could describe your impression of him. But he he's also I was embarrassed to be around him. I met him when he was nineteen, twenty, something like that, and he at that time was basically like, yeah, I'm like I'm going to be a billionaire, multi billionaire. Uh, just a matter of like, you know, is it at 25 or 26, 27? I, I don't know when. And um, I was like, so do you date? He's like, no, I'm just going to wait till I'm a billionaire that I'm going to date like, you know, the hottest woman on earth who's also like, you know, uh, loves me and is like the heir to the throne somewhere, right? Like he just, <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm just going for a 12. 
And he's like, um, you know, so first I'm going to become a multi-billionaire. Then I'm going to date this 12 and marry her. And then I'm going to have like all these children. And then my children are going to do this. And like, and I was just like, wow, that's like, you know, and, and like, if somebody else was like really excited about their thing, that's like kind of small, he'd be like, well, that's kind of a waste of time, right? Like you could just, why not just do something bigger that would make you more money? And like, he's just so matter of fact, so black and white about it. Well, how's like, he doing? Not is in he, a way that's not in a way achieving? that's rude. Like he's not trying to be rude, but he just genuinely only obsesses over his thing, which is in, in his case, like investing and being like the, a better investor than Warren Buffett. He's like, you know, I've, I've, I've watched every video, read every book by Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, all the greatest investors. I've studied them. I'm just as good as them. Yeah, I'm I'm younger than them, but I'm just as good at them. In fact, I think I'll be better than them. Uh, you know, by the time I'm they're they're ninety, I'll be better. How's than it them going? Uh, I mean, who knows? I don't. I can only. I literally can only check in with them so often because if you talk to them too much, it's just like, oh, dude, like I get my, I get a headache. Like, a, I feel insecure because I'm not as ambitious, and then B, I just get frustrated because I'm like, dude, come back to reality. Um, like you're floating away in your own bubble somewhere. But I like people like that. They, those people also are like, they serve a real place in my life. Can I, can we, can we, can I bring up a different topic other than Mr. Beast really quick? That was yeah. subtle, but crazy fascinating. Um, so Ben Levy invited this guy whose Twitter handle is Commodore. And Commodore <laughs> is famous, I guess, because he started a DAO and he's trying to buy an NBA team and he's raised tens of millions of dollars to do it. And I started talking to this guy and we started talking about, uh, you know, just all types of stuff. And I go, what's your name, by the way? And he goes, Commodore. I go, oh, that's a sick name. Like, why'd your parents name you Commodore Wilson? I forget what it was. But he goes, oh, that's not my real name. Um, I'm, I'm anonymous this weekend. And I go, what? He goes, yeah. So like in order to get rid of, in order not to have like some legal implications, as, and, and I don't actually know what all the implications were. He goes, I'm just anonymous. And I go, does anyone here know who you are? He goes, no, no one here knows my real name. <laughs> um, ben Levy, the guy who invited me, he has no idea who I am or my name. And I was like, what? That's interesting. So I just called him Commodore and we talked about like family. We talked about his wife and children, where he lived and how like, you know, I am fam maybe familiar with that area. We talked about all these things and we got like 30 minutes to do a really deep conversation. And I was like, what would you do? What were you doing before this? He was like, oh, I was doing this, this and this. I was like, uh, oh, wow, that's amazing. What was it called? He goes, oh, I can't tell you. I'll dox myself. And I was like, oh, and I, I got back and I like remembered we are anonymous. And I thought that was so fascinating. What did you think about that? I, I don't know. I didn't find it that fascinating, but now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Like it didn't feel crazy. Have, it it, it they, didn't feel crazy. You people who have their, you see people who have their like handle online and that's their persona, but you're right. I've never actually just met one of those people in real life and have them just be like, yeah, that's just, that's my identity. I've just given a, like, I don't use my, my birth identity, my, my legal identity. I use my online identity as my main identity. And I asked him like, if his, if his right, friends do. What's up yeah. Commodore? <laughs> I called him Commodore the whole time. I thought that was his like real the, name for the first 24 hours. Every time he walks in the room, people are like, ah, Commodore. Hey, where's Commodore? Is he ready to go? And it's like, that's not like, who is this guy? Nobody here knows who this guy is. And we're all okay with it. That was kind of, yeah, you're right. That was kind of amazing. And I was like, can I just take a picture of you and like reverse search this? He goes, you can, but you won't. And I was like, you're right. I'm not going to. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there was sort of a respect at some point. It's like, I'm not going to try to know this because you're cool and I don't need to. Why, why would I do something you don't you're not comfortable with? You don't want that. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm not going to do that to you. Dude, that was it was so weird at first. And then it became completely normal. And now now <laughs> I, I totally get this Anon thing. 
And uh, I asked him, I go, did you, do your friends know who you are? And he's no, he's like, they, they, a lot of them just don't don't know what I do for work. So there was a a group of people there that are pretty interesting. So one guy who we both loved, who we did a pod with. So I I guess I'll I'll explain the the rest of the setup. So um, we did a couple other cool things. I thought we had a chef who was there at the house, just making all the meals. That was great. So nobody had to think about anything. We had um, just cutting up fruit the whole time. We just had like trays (laughs) of fruit and like snacks the whole time. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. And then we had um, Kevin Durant basically sent us like 30 pairs of his shoe. Dude, that was so baller. Everybody who got there, they got a pair of his shoes. We got a custom like shirt jersey that said Camp MFM with your name on the back and your number. So people kind of had their like jersey for the weekend. Um, We got like, they also sent like Nike sent bags for us. Uh, So there was a couple of things that were like cool. You know, I was talking about the moments in between the moments. We tried to have some moments in between the moments. It felt like Um, Christmas morning, like with all these shoes here. (laughs) And we all like got there and like unwrapped them. It was really cool. Yeah, we all turned into little kids. We're like unboxing our thing and be like, oh, yeah, I got it. Like, you know, all these people could afford a thousand shoes a thousand times over. But like it just it's still great to just get a free cool thing that somebody sends you. Can I say one cool thing you did, Sean, is that it wasn't all KDs. It was like KDs and a couple Kyries and some LeBrons. So it was fun to open up to be like, (laughs) oh, which shoes did I get? Yeah, that was true. Did you ever find your shoes, by the way, Ben? I did. Uh, They were the wrong shoes. Someone had just grabbed the wrong bag. Dude, Ben so, came up to me. He goes, I think someone stole my shoes. I was like, Ben, I don't think anyone stole your shoes. <laughs> and I went and made an announcement. I go, Ben cannot find his shoes. If you found them, please give it back. And he goes, dude, someone totally jacked up. I was like, Ben, no one <laughs> stole your tennis shoes. We all just got like dozens of free ones. Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. Some other great moments. So we um, we had gotten connected with the guys at, at Duke because we we're in North Carolina and we had said, hey, can we come like get a tour of the place? And they uh, they did. So basically some of the former players who are now coaches, uh, some of the current players basically came together and they um, they took us on a tour of the practice facility. What did you think of that, by the way? You're not like a like it was, I went it was, to Duke. It was that, inspirational. To me, it was obviously cool. Dude, it was so cool. It was so awesome. So I don't know anything about basketball. I even made a joke when we walked in. I go, Ben, who's that dude? And it was Coach K. Uh, and I was like, yeah. So like I, I don't really know anything about basketball. But it was inspirational because the coaches, uh, the, it's like the assistant coaches now, I think they are. They told stories about working with Coach K, who's like known for you know, 30 years of excellence and tradition and like, uh, perfection. And he told, they told some amazing stories and it felt, I did feel like I was in a, um, I don't know, holy place when I was there. So I want to say, uh, something about that too. So one of the players there, um, Emil Jefferson, who he, he, he was, uh, on the championship team, uh, maybe seven years the, ago or so. Was he like the coach, like the guy leading the tour? Yeah. He was the guy kind of telling the most stories. And I, I just want to give him a shout out because Basically, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Neither did our group. All of a sudden, 30 people are standing face to face in this practice facility. It's like, so, uh, okay, who are you guys? And uh, like, what am I supposed to show you? What, what are we doing here? And like, I don't Dude, think he totally really waited. He did, he did good. It also helped that we had Mr. Beast here and uh, Hassan. So everyone thought that like, oh, everyone else here must be famous, too. I just don't recognize them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like... Um, they didn't know we're all just prolific newsletter creators. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasters yeah. and newsletter creators and a couple actually famous people. Yeah, they ball, we blog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he tells the story and I just got to give him credit. Like 
uh, he was, it's really hard to like, that was like a make or break moment. Do you have a story or do you not? And I just want to encourage everybody to like, have a story in your back pocket, like whatever the most common question you get, which is like, in this case, like, what's coach K like, you know, what was it like playing here? What's it like, you know, whatever. And don't just be like, it was good, man. Really cool. Really special to be here. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just been awesome. I've learned so much. It's like, that's what I would say nine out of 10 people would have done. He's like, you know, when I first got here, I thought it was hot shit, blah, blah, blah. And then coach K was just yelling at me, yelling at me, man. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. He's like, later on, I realized that it, once he stops yelling at you, that's when it's bad because then he's given up on you. But like, you know, for that moment, he's like, and some practices, and then you say, he said a counterintuitive thing. He's like, some practices, he just sat there, man. He didn't say anything. The whole practice, he wouldn't say a word. And you just think, oh man, he's just checked out. Like he's not doing anything. Like, I don't know. It's weird. I guess he doesn't care right now. But then three weeks later, he would reference something that he was observing that day. And you're like, dude, you've been watching everything. You got like cameras in the walls and microphones. Like, how do you know all this stuff? And he tells a story. He's like, you know, we have this one little film room and the secret, like, he's like, see that wall right there. There's like a secret door. You go in there. There's a, there's a film room right next to the practice gym. He's like, and he took me in there. He's like, come here. And I, I go in there and I hadn't been playing that well. And he takes me in and there's like all these screens in there. He's like, and on all of the screens, it's just a picture of me, like various pictures of me all doing the same pose where I'm just sitting there like this. I'm like, I'm exasperated. I'm like mad at the ref or my teammates or the coaches. And your hands are out. My hands are out. My hands are up. My palms are up. I'm like, it's like the, the why like type of like expression. And already everybody's on the edge of their seat in the story. Yeah. We're like, Hey, this is cool. This is interesting. I want to know what was this about? He's like, he said, look, look at this son. You're one of the leaders of this team. You look like a beggar. You're standing there with your palms out, begging for a call from the referee, begging for the coaches to help you, begging for your teammates to do something. He's like, you're a leader. I don't ever want to see you look like a beggar again. He's like, don't, don't do that. This is not the body language of a leader. My look at your face, look at your hands. And and I was like, such a good hey, story. Such a good story. He's like, for the rest of he's like, dude, rest of the season, you'll watch me. If something happens, I'm like this. He's like, you know, does a totally different pose. He's like, you'll never catch me doing that pose again. And I thought, a great way to connect with the group, right? Like we're all like kind of CEO leader types. So you tell a leadership story, you tell a counterintuitive one, an entertaining one, and it's a happy ending, right? And I just thought, man, he just killed it with that moment. And I just felt for myself, if I look at how I was hosting that weekend, I felt like if I was gonna level up how these things go. That's one thing I want to work on is in those moments where you need to either make the toast, welcome everybody in, tell the story, get people primed for what we're about to do. Like the difference in the whole experience can just be in that like two minute story right before you start. And that's what I want to get great at. Dude, let me tell you uh, what I, another thing that was great about this event and it involved, it's all about you. And again, when I say you and Sean, I'm actually meaning probably 40% Sean, <laughs> 60% Ben Levy. Um, so basically you, I told you this like three times, you pulled this off perfectly and you nailed the important stuff and you failed and ignored the non-important stuff. The non-important stuff is the nice to haves that, but here's the thing, most people would spend time on that. So you had no website, you had no like invitation. You just DM people and you said, Venmo me money. And I didn't know what I was getting into, but I just trusted you. You last minute sent us the address. So basically like on the way to the airport, you told me the address <laughs> of where I had to go to. I didn't know what time dinner was. I just know I just sometime throughout the day, hopefully I show up at this address and I, and I, and like, hopefully there's a place to sleep. All I did was I sent you money and I told you my shoe size. That's all I did. 
And I showed up and there was all these amazing people there and you nailed it and you did it quickly. And the Airbnb was perfect. We had a chef there. That was perfect. The house, pretty messy, kind of just not, not messy horribly, but almost, but borderline, like this is disgusting. Um, <laughs> we go and play basketball all day and you had this amazing trainer at this awesome high school gym that was also perfect. And I'm like, all right, is there any like drinks here? Like, what do we, what do we do? And it's like, well, there's just a water fountain and some clip bars. And I was like, okay, that's less than ideal. But you know what? That, that doesn't matter because I, I appreciate that you just like, you just ordered this shit on Amazon and you go, but that's not the important shit. We're going to focus on the important stuff. You had, um, we had a podcast studio there that was already set up, an important thing that we needed. And it was like, kind of like a little hoodie, a little hood rat set up. And it was fucking perfect. It was exactly what we needed. What like the 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 people that you selected were awesome. We didn't do any like real introductions. We just hung out and you just you did I think if you're executing on a project, what you did this weekend was a perfect example of just getting the main things right. Now in the future, maybe you'll know or maybe you'll want to like, all right, you know, we should actually have like people didn't like eat this type of food. We should not do that this time. And like that's the unimportant stuff though. And it was perfect. I, I don't even remember what we ate. I think it was just like hot dogs and chicken and salmon. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing fancy. But that wasn't the important part. The important part is that we all just sat around in the kitchen and just told stories. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, the, I, I really want to do more of these in the future because A, it was just like a dope life experience. And B, it kind of merged a bunch of things into one. It's like, uh, if I ever need a vacation. But I also want to like hang out with cool people, do networking or go to a conference. But also I want to like do other stuff besides business with my life. And so with this, it was like, got a vacation, got to hang out with a bunch of people. Some I knew and some I didn't know. Half I knew, half I didn't know. And the third was do something fun. Like, oh, wow, I got to train with an NBA trainer and like play pickup basketball. Like that was just like, oh, that was a blast. We got to play inside Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke. Uh, like there was just like a whole bunch of dope things that were that were happening with that. And you have to tell the story. So basically we're at Cameron Indoor. We're at this like, you know, holy ground. And I don't know how it happened, but basically, uh, Mr. Beast, he actually did this twice. Uh, he goes, I'll give you $100,000 if you can make this half-court shot right now. And this was the day prior, and I think you missed it. But then the second time at Duke, he goes, first one that no, makes I, it. I said it to him. I said it to him. So I go, I go, Jimmy, how about a, I, I go, Jimmy, how about this? Because um, I know he's, uh, once, I, once I got to know him a little bit, I was like, oh, he's like me. He's like a bit of a degenerate gambler. Like, he loves to gamble. He loves action. And, um, and he's, he's also always trying to ratchet up the like intensity and awesomeness of the situation. So it's like, if the situation is here, but it, the, the level can be raised, I think most people talk themselves out of that. He's immediately like, oh, level can be raised, raise the levels, raise the levels. Everybody like, oh, like, you know, it, it'd be like, oh, you guys want to play a board game? And it'd be like, let's go like right now do a tournament with the best board game. And let's do this, do this thing. Oh, you want to play basketball? I don't care if it's 1am. Let's find a gym. We're going to go play. Dude, right I was now. talking to him about how I loved Coke zero. And he goes, let's go right now and go buy a bunch. And we yeah. I was like, all right, cool. So we just went to the store and bought Coke zero. He's like, I've never had it before. I want, I want to see what this is about. I, I know I have no input. Like it was like, oh, there's some cool people here. You'll get to know him. You'll enjoy this. He goes, who's cool. I was like, uh, like all these people. He's like, okay, Hey, come sit over here. I want to talk to you. And he would like put somebody in the hot seat. He'd be like, who are you? What are you? What's your story? And he would listen to them for five minutes and be like, wow. All right. Awesome. Hey, who else is you? Come here. Come here. No, no, no. I'm serious. Come sit in the seat. And, it, and like, I was like, wow, this guy will always try to like ratchet up the intensity again in a great way. So we're at, we're at Duke and we're just getting a tour. Uh, they had just finished like a volleyball game. The hoops weren't even down. They were like raised up to the rafters. And I go, Jimmy, uh, 
I bet you a thousand dollars I can hit a half course shot before you. He goes, nah, 10,000. <laughs> I, like, I was like, deal. And I was like, hey, uh, to, to the Duke guys, I was like, any chance you can like set up the court real quick? I, you know, <laughs> I just bet Mr. Beast 10 grand I can make the shot before he does. And they're like, nah, we're not supposed to, but I kind of want to see this 10 grand. All right. And again, the world, he, again, the reality was we weren't even supposed to have gotten in there in the first place. All the hoops were gone. There was another game going to like somebody else was coming on the court soon. And reality has no bearings on what, what he wants. Like the world will shift to what he wants basically. And so sure enough, all of a sudden the hoops getting come down, ball appears out of nowhere and we're doing this thing. There's like a circle around us. And now I'm like, Oh shit, I, I got to hit this shot. And, uh, took you like four times. Yeah. Basically two or three, uh, two or three attempts. No, uh, you know, come up close, but not quite. And also you could feel in the moment that like, okay, well, if this takes a while, something that was really dope is about to turn really lame to watch right. somebody. If you ever watch the slam dunk contest a performance. Miss nine yeah. times in a row. Yeah. Like there's a performance here. So I was like, I better make this shit. And, uh, sure enough, shoot it, hit it. We get it on video. I win 10 grand. And, uh, did he give you, you the know, money? <laughs> no, he hasn't paid me yet. I, he, I gave him my, he's like, you want it in Bitcoin? Or he's like, or maybe I'll send 10,000 in pennies to your house. Uh, you know, just like in a giant pallet. <laughs> and he goes, like, he goes, by the way, that will cost me $2,000 to ship because he's done that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He knows the logistics of this. Ben, like, what did you think of? I have a penny what, guy. Well, yeah, he does. What do you, what did you think of Sean's execution? Did I nail it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you were hundred percent right. Uh, nailed the execution. Um, yeah, like I said, um, just everything about it was perfect. Sean, do you think it's something like, could you just copy and paste it or does it need to be different every time in order to create that feeling of it being special? Um, I think you could copy paste 80% of it and you would change 20. Um, and so I think that that would be the plan. I, I, I want to basically, so I just bought uh, a domain. I'm putting up a website today, mfmcamp.com. And I'm going to put the pictures from this one. I just kind of want to make a blog of where this was, but I'm also going to put a form on there for people who want to come to this in the future. Cause half the people who came to this, I didn't know they had reached Dude, out. I don't, I don't think the you, idea. I think you should let people apply, but I don't think I, you got to keep it just like 20, 25 people in like, well, I'm gonna, you know, unfortunately I'm gonna really versions. exclusive. I'm going to do two versions. I'm going to do the exclusive one, which is like, basically it's, it's hitters only, right? No small boy stuff there. Um, that's what this one was like, right? 20, 20, 25 people in the room, everybody had their claim to fame, whatever it may be, right? Like we had one guy, Al, who's built the biggest quilt company in the world. They do over a hundred million dollars a year selling quilt, you know, patches and accessories and stuff like that. And it's like, that's his, that's his, and he, he bought a town and he's making it like the quilting set, like the quilting hub of yeah. America, like a tourist destination for quilters everywhere. Like the guy's crazy, but he's totally different than the next guy who's done it in a different area. Right. So, um, so I'm going to do one or two of these a year that are the small 20 person type of events. I might even go smaller. I might even go 15. I think this was too many people. And, um, then I also want to do one that's like Call one like notch the, less the D league. Yeah, that is, it's not the D, it's more like the B, the B League, right? It's like, but these are people who are, they get our culture, they I listen to D the league. show. Isn't it like Development League? Isn't it like the NBA? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It, they changed the G League now because D sounded bad. But but basically, that I want to do like a thousand person or 500 person or something bigger. Maybe not five, maybe not that big. Maybe it's 200. But that'll be like 
a retreat somewhere. It's less intimate, less exclusive, but it's still people who are, they're all entrepreneurs. They're all, they've all made their first million, right? According to the podcast, they all listen to the pod. They get the jokes, they get the humor, they get the style. So when they show up, they know the vibe, the vibe, the vibe should be immaculate from day one. And that's what I, that's what I want to do. So I, that's what I'm thinking of doing out of this. Um, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, I, I, I told Kip, the CMO of HubSpot, I go, Kip, uh, Sean just did this on his own, but, uh, like you gotta carve out some budget and just let us, let us, or let him have this money. And, and we got to make this happen. This was magical. And he's like, dude, I followed all your guys' picture and Instagram from this. This is amazing. We're in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, dude, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I, you, I think it's a really good idea. You should do a bigger one, that bigger one, the bigger one will be freaking exhausting, but, uh, it'd be fun. Yeah, totally. I hate events, but the fact that I still want to do this, even though I hate events, shows me that it's like a good thing to do. Um, okay, so those were a couple of the things. Uh, can I share a couple of the other kind of like yeah. takeaways or anecdotes? So um, one takeaway, a lot of people there like were pretty, I'll call it like straight narrow now. Like it's like a lot of the conversations were like about their kids. They, it wasn't like it, was, it wasn't a ton of alcohol needed for the like, dude, I don't think the social think that, like, like, you know, socializing. Nick had like a whiskey and like maybe other people had like a beer, but there was virtually no alcohol, no drugs. At worst, it was like some tobacco and that was it. And we played <laughs> yeah. board games. And that was you. That was just that you. was me. No, that was Huber. <laughs> he, he, he smoked a cigar. Austin Reeves smoked, smoked a cigar. Yeah. Yeah, true. But, I'm going to read this. So Nick, uh, who's sweaty startup on Twitter, he goes, he wrote a blog post. I, did you read this thing? He goes, yeah, I spent the weekend with multimillionaires. Here's what I learned. And he goes, we organized this thing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he, he texted uh, his wife after he put a screenshot up. He goes, I'm very inspired by a lot of the guys here. Had some incredible deep conversations with some spe spectacular people. A few things I'm ready to change right away. Number one, I want a therapist. Number two, I want to bring energy to the kids. I think I need to disconnect from the phone to do that. Number three, I want to drink less alcohol. Number four, I'm ready to bring a positive mindset to being a family man and a dad and nurture that garden in the same way that I've nurtured business and social. Um, number five, I want to start honoring you, like treating you like the queen that you are. I'm so lucky to have you, right? <laughs> it's like, whoa, like, you know, those are some, you know, come to Jesus, uh, you know, sort of thoughts. And I'm glad that, you know, uh, he had that impression. And so he said something, he goes, he goes, here's my takeaways. He goes, we're all dorks. He goes, I was expecting a room full of giants, people with charisma, blah, blah, blah. He's like, don't get me wrong. Some people could tell great stories, but for the most part, everybody's just normal and had like overcome odds. They were just smart storytellers who were really obsessed with their thing. Now, number two. And yeah, we, we played like board games and we like went swimming. Like it was like children stuff that were our interests. Yeah. He goes, we all suffer with insecurity, fear of failure and a general emptiness at times. He goes, I talked to a few guys who enjoyed their success more than five years ago, have been worth 20 plus million for a long time. And they spoke about business as an unhealthy addiction, how it leaves them searching for more and empty feeling after an exit. Others, others talked about their nagging ego and need for more and bigger. Others discussed a constant fear that their career, uh, about their career, that they weren't worthy or didn't have, have what it took and just general insecurity. Um, another one, they had lots of kids. A lot of guys spend a lot of time talking about their kids and, and, and how they spend a lot of energy in this area. Uh, most of the folks spent a lot of time talking about how they're trying to raise good kids um, and how they're trying to help their kids embrace the struggle rather than protecting them from it. Uh, he goes, very few of them had a, had new groundbreaking businesses. Most started normal businesses that already existed, not revolutionary technologies. They saw a need and just went after it better than anyone else. Good old fashioned, boring stuff. Um, he talked about the humility is astounding. Most of the people 
money has not turned these people into jerks. They're still mentally tough, uh, still willing to, to, you know, to slum it. They are humble. They're searching for ways to improve, blah, blah, blah. Most didn't drink alcohol. Um, you know, a couple of us had one or two drinks, but I'm surprised, uh, that, you know, this many people were able to, you know, socialize, hang out without using alcohol. It inspired me to do more. Um, yeah, basically he's like, the big question for most people in the room is what am I going to do with my life? And, um, he goes, he, he goes, one last quote. He goes, he goes, I talked to somebody who said this, I walk my, around my house in my office sometimes just acting like I'm doing things. Then I just go outside, walk around or I cut wood. <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, he's like, he's like, everybody is kind of, you know, on some kind of search. So Dude, I thought and, it was a really good recap. To add to that, most people were really transparent. And so like we would be like, if we would ask them money questions, like, and they would just say, this is what I have. This is where I put it. This is what I do. And they would be fairly specific or, um, uh, they would say, no, like, I don't have enough to do this, this, and this, like we're talking about flying private. Like, no, I'm, I'm not wealthy enough. I, I can't do that. I can't afford it. And it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, or I am wealthy enough to do that. And here's how much I spend, but I didn't do it until I hit this number or, um, you know, like my wife and I argue about X, Y, and Z, or uh, I'm nervous about my children for these reasons, or like people were really transparent. Can I tell you a few more Mr. Beast nuggets real quick? Uh, yeah. Because I think he was the most uh, like alien of, he was the alien amongst aliens, basically. Yeah. Um, so he's got a runner. Did you, did you know this? Did you see this? You no, know what I mean wait, when I what? say this? No. So, there is somebody 24 hours a day. He's two people. They do 12 hour shifts. Well, it was those two kids that were, that were there. Uh, no, no, those were the, that one guy was like his social media guy, his TikTok guy. Another guy was somebody else. So, um, uh, by the way, they're not, they're not kids. They're just a little younger than us. Right. Like they're, they're like in their uh, 20s. Yeah. Not, yeah. 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 Not like 10. Well, he's, he's a kid kind of. Yeah. Sorry. No disrespect guys. <laughs> so <laughs> dude, you're like 31. <laughs> you're like young. Well, so, they just had young energy. Like they were like, they had like college kid energy in that they were like, this was their vocation and they just lived in the dorm and they were at like, it's at a basketball camp. They were at like Mr. Beast video camp. Yeah. For so us, it, this was like a weird getaway from the, from adult life. And they're like, yeah, this is just like, I don't know. I guess I just bounced over here and tomorrow I'll bounce somewhere else. And they like wore like, you know, Yeezys or something like that. And we're like, that's what, is what that? I mean by kids. These are yeah. funky shoes, you know, son, what, Dude, what he, you got there? They had $300 sandals on. I was like, what are those? Are they like, <laughs> Uh, Yeezys. I was like, what? Yeah. So that's what I mean. They were, they were younger in psycho demographic. Yeah. I was an idiot. I was like, Oh, I was like, Whoa, those are like super Crocs. What are those? They're like, Yeezy slides are the hottest shoe. Biggest seller on earth. I was like, ah, sweet. Super Crocs, sport mode Crocs. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so, so he's got a runner. Basically he's got a dude outside the house at all times, just sitting in his car 24 hours a day. It's a personal DoorDash. So if he ever needed something, I don't know if you noticed, he was like, oh, I want to play Settlers of Catan. So he's like, hey, can you go get Catan? And the guy would just run to the store, go get Catan and bring it back within 15 what? minutes. What? He was outside our house? The whole time. And he's outside <laughs> the studio. Wherever he goes, these two people are there. 12-hour shifts each. So 24 hours a day, he's got somebody just watching his back, ready to do go they do track his? Do they do like, like find my location we went to on Duke. iPhone? We went to Duke and you know he's wearing his easy slides and it was like... Um, uh, we're all of a sudden they were moving the hoop so we could play. So he's like, Hey, go get my shoes from the car. And like, I need my shoes. Can you go get them from the car? Like, just like, he's like anything, like I'm hungry. And they would just go and they would uh, like, or even before he's hungry, they would just go 
they're like, hey, I think he has like Crohn's disease or something like that. So he's got like yeah. a very specific diet. So they were like, um, like there's just like there's a shit ton of like yogurt in the fridge at all times. So it's like, where's this all this yogurt coming from? And like his runner was just stocking the fridge. Like, hey, oh I know my he's gosh, gonna need a snack. So- he's gonna forget to eat. So I'm just gonna go hand him this at this time. Like that's some real. That's like a really funny. And he and so he's talking to me. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't get it. He's like, all these people here are wealthy, but like nobody here had that. He's like, why don't why don't you guys do that? It's like it's a waste of your time to go do those things, right? Like if you value your time, why would why would you? And I was like, I was like, he's like, why do you think that is? And I was like, honestly, I don't think any of us had even thought about it. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was Dude, like, I, I never considered this possibility. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. The, in the tech industry, like the biggest winners, Elon, like the Google guys, Zuckerberg, like they, you would describe this for a lot of them. And so it's actually like a, a, a trait commonly found with greatness, which is a very matter of fact, simple way of looking at things that is unafraid of like how that looks, how that sounds or like what it costs. So, for example, he reinvests everything into every video. And I was like, okay, so, um, you know, what's the game plan here? He's like, well, just, you know, like make the best videos possible. Just put it all in. Keep growing it. Make this the biggest thing ever. And like, you know, that's my goal. And it's like, okay, but like, you know, what about XYZ? It's like, I told you my goal. So why would I consider XYZ? (laughs) Were you not listening to the first part uh, where I said? So I call it. I started to think about this because, again, the stunning thing for me was. I had never really met anybody who puts every hour, every dollar and every ounce of their soul into their wild ambition. That's what I took away from him. Um, it doesn't matter if he was a YouTuber or an athlete. In fact, the trainer there used to train with Kobe and Kobe's daughter, Gigi, before they passed away. And I was, you know, I was like, dude, I hate to be the guy who asks you for a Kobe story. But like, you got to tell me a Kobe Bryant story. Like what, what you got? And he started telling me, I was like, you know, is the work ethic thing legit? Because like. I don't know if you follow this, but like on Reddit, there's these stories no, where it's like, dude, yeah, I, I sat and listened to that guy talk. He was, he was, that was, that was probably the best storytelling. So there's these stories about Kobe that you don't know if they're marketing or if they're real, where it's like Kobe would wake up. Like there's a story like Dwayne Wade, who's another you know hall of fame basketball player. He's like, yeah, I, we went to the Olympics. That's my first time I got to see how Kobe works because he was a competitor before that. Now we're on the same Olympic team. He's like, we got to the gym at 6am. Kobe was already there, like fully sweating. We're like, Oh, what, what, did you, what are you doing? We, we just got here for the 6 a.m. practice. What are, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, this is like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'll be ready in a minute. They're like, well, why are you sweating so much? He's like, oh, I had my first workout at four. I'm just finishing up. I'll, uh, I'm going to join you guys in a second. I'm going to go get my ankles retaped and then go back. And and the guys, so he's got this legendary work ethic. So I was asking the guy, I was like, is it real? He's like, he's like, dude, I thought it was bullshit too. He's like, so I started texting him at four. He's like, he hit me back right away. The guy was awake. He was at the gym. He's like, it was insane. He's like, he's like, and then I was like, okay, so he's got the crazy work. I think what else? He's like, he had this ability where if you were in the room with him, he's like, most of the guys I work with, the famous athletes, they're like, kind of like ADD. They're like, if they don't know, if you're not like a bullseye of what they're interested in, they don't think that they don't look at you as someone they can learn something from always. Yeah. Just normal people. He's like, so, you know, they'll check their phone. They'll look around. They'll talk yeah. to you. They'll talk to their manager. They'll talk to this person. They're just eh, whatever. They're all over the place. He's like, Kobe, if he got in a room with you, you'd feel like there's only you in the room. He would lock eyes. He would not look at his phone. He would not move away. He would ask you questions. He would remember your name. And the name thing was fascinating. Did you hear that story? Yeah. Did you, yeah. 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 The other guy, Luke tells the story. So he goes, uh, he goes, we're at the gym. And I, he's like, this first time I ever met Kobe, he's like, we're playing pickup. And I was playing with, I jumped in, he's like a trainer. He's like, I jumped in the game and I missed like six or seven shots. And Kobe just doesn't say anything to me. He's like, after the game, he goes, damn, you, damn, damn, man, you come make a shot or what? And the guy goes, I'm a volume shooter, bro. Like you should know. 
And Kobe, like, I mean, so he tried to, like, kind of basically make fun of Kobe. Kobe's like, oh, the only volume I know is five, like five rings. He's like, um, so they start, and so that, whatever, they had that one interaction, takes five seconds. They just laugh, move on with life. Three weeks later, he comes back to the gym and um, the guy walks into the gym and Kobe goes, what up, volume? And just, like, remembered who he was, remembered his nickname. And so then the guy was, like, already impressed with that. He's like, but I, he's like, I never talked to Kobe besides I never told him my name, nothing. He had asked somebody what my name is. So that three weeks later, he goes, he's like, I was leaving. And Kobe goes, damn, Luke, you're not going to say bye? And he's like, yeah. wait, you know my name. And secondly, you're stopping. I just didn't want to bother you. Like, And the guy was like sneaking out, like just casually trying to leave. And Kobe just right. saw him walking around. I was like, dude, what the hell? Aren't you going to say goodbye yeah. to me? And so he knew his name. He knew, and he's like, he, he's like, he, he's like, he remembers everybody's name. And I asked him once, I go, Kobe, like, why do you, like, is that easy for you? He's like, no, it's not that easy. I just make an effort. He's like, why do you, why do you care like to, to learn all these people's names? He goes, because for most people, this is the only time they're ever going to interact with me. And if I remember their name is something so simple and they not only will they remember it forever, they'll tell everybody they know about this. He goes, so I'm not just remembering, I'm not just like making an impression on them. I'm making an impression on a thousand people throughout their lifetime that they're going to tell this Kobe Bryant story to. And I thought that was so baller. And that was the same the same thing I was admiring Dude, about Mr. Beast, he, I admired about Kobe in that same way. He did an even crazier story where Alex had mentioned like a few weeks prior that his mom's birthday was on a particular date. And on that particular date, Kobe texted Alex, the trainer, goes, what's your mom's cell number? And he FaceTimed the mom, goes, what's up, mom? You know, I just want to say, <laughs> yeah. I hope you have a wonderful birthday today. And Alex is like, I didn't even FaceTime my mom until our happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Those stories were amazing. Again, those are the moments in between the moments, right? You can't plan for that, but you put a bunch of people in the room and serendipity like that can happen. But uh, the other story that was like that. So, um, uh, so, so, so the, the trait, uh, the thing I was calling Mr. Beast, I was like, he has a level of commitment that I call kamikaze commitment. He has a kamikaze a good, level a commitment one. to winning. Kobe that's had a, that that's too. A, that's our new phrase, bro. That's a, good a, job. A, the manifest cowboys. And the people who got that kamikaze commitment, the dogs. And so I was like, how do you compete with a YouTuber like Mr. Beast? I thought about this. I was like, because uh, I, I was like, literally, I was like, could I fund somebody? Could I just give someone like $5 million to become Mr. Beast? And I was like, I don't think it would actually work because not just the talent. There's like, like he's not the best looking dude. He's not the funniest guy. He's not... Honestly, all the things he knows about YouTube, you could learn. I, I could tell you everything he, you know, you need to know about YouTube. Then eighty-five percent that you would need to know to get pretty far ahead, right? There's the last fifteen percent that'll you accrue over time. But like, dude, you need you need a great clickable title and thumbnail. Here's what makes it clickable: the first ten seconds, you need to hook people and tell them what they're going to get out of this video, and then you need to visually stimulate them, and then you need to use these cuts, and then you need to introduce a twist in order to keep their attention. And here's the metric you need to care about, right? Like you could train that. What you can't train is the guy is willing to put all the money he makes back into the next videos. So like imagine competing in a business with somebody who's willing to take no profit. Like they're going to beat you on price. They're going to beat you on value because they're willing to lower their price and they're willing to reinvest all of their profits into building a better product. So he's willing to reinvest all of his money and all of his time into this and then that compound so at first that was really cheap that was you know the first brand that gave him a ten thousand dollar the first brand tried to give him a five thousand dollar sponsorship i don't know if you know the story they quit tried to give him five thousand dollars for the video he was like he's like i talked to the guy on the phone for like an hour being like dude make it ten thousand more people will click he's like ten thousand just that number ten grand 
in the title is going to get way more clicks than five. I don't know why. It's just five is not the same as 10 in the title. And so it's like, just give me 10. They're like, dude, we just, our budget. He's like, I'm not even, I'm going to keep the 10. I'm going to give all 10 away. So the gate, they said yes to 10. He immediately went and gave 10 grand to a homeless guy. And then that video gets like a million views and all the stuff that pays the, pays the video off. The advertiser's happy. So then they get 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand, hundred grand. And eventually advertisers are willing to pay nearly a million dollars for, to be a part of these videos. But he's willing to take that and pour it all back in. So how do you compete with somebody who's willing to spend all of their creative energy and time and all of their money? I think that is like just kind of all inspiring to see somebody execute the like sort of kamikaze commitment strategy. I know I'm not willing to do it. Maybe I'm not I'm willing older, to do it. I got kids. I'm, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the factors are. It's really that I just I don't need to. It's like it's like I said before, like I think being Olympian, being an Olympian is a trap. Like, I don't need to be a gold medalist. I don't want to be Michael Phelps and give up like 20 years of my life to train every single moment of every single day to become that. Like, that's okay. I don't, I don't think, need it. I don't think his lifestyle is fitting for happiness and maybe, maybe even being fulfilled. But, and by the way, I'm he would agree. Like, he said that yeah, himself he, pretty openly. He said that. And I'm happy that he exists. And I know I am not that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are the two certainties that I have on that. You know, um, before before I'm we went on you that are trip, real, and I and I and I and I am not it. Face tattoos and cornrows, right? <laughs> yeah, face tattoos and cornrows. I'm cool. They other people have them, not for me. Yeah. Um, before I went there, I was like, maybe we should really like double down on YouTube. Maybe we should triple down on YouTube. I was like, I think I could become like the biggest business creator on YouTube. Do I want that? I don't know. And then I, when we were there, there was like a 30 minute shoot where he was like a photo shoot for the thumbnail of one of his videos. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. Like, I don't think in my day, these are the things I want to spend my energy on. And I think, I think somebody is willing to do that. Of course, somebody's willing to do that. Many people are willing to do that to win that game. And I was like, I'd rather do a game where I'm willing to pay the price that it takes to get the outcome that I want. No, we try that. Try not to do it. You and we, we could play that game, but you don't have to play it his way. You know, his way is a reckless way and it works, but I don't think you have to, you know, like I, I, like there are, there are lots of different examples of people succeeding in different ways. You know, the wealthiest guy there, keep in mind was basically, he was the wealthiest guy there by a lot, I think. And he played the game totally different than, than Jimmy did. Yeah. But I think the YouTube game that, you know, like there is a, uh, I think there is a default path and you'd have no. to really be saying, I'm going to go try to be an outlier, right? I'm not going to be on, I'm not going to do XYZ you be, and still win. To be the if top. You be, I'm talking about the top. Yes. If you wanted to be the top mainstream type of guy, I agree. But right. there's like lots of games. If we wanted games, a sweet lifestyle where we're making a few million dollars a year doing it, like you're right. You, there's many ways to do that. But if you want to okay be the top, right? And that's the yeah, question I, I was asking myself. Do I want to try to go for that? No, I don't. But I would, I, I would, I, I'd be okay with pretty good. <laughs> and doesn't that um, feel weird when you spend time with people who, who are like they hear that sentence and they're sort of repulsed isn't there a part of you that's sort of like embarrassed to say i'm okay with just good enough there's a part of me that's for sure embarrassed to feel that there, way. yeah and i used to feel so i used to feel embarrassed about that and then i realized i started like reading about stoicism and i got went into this ryan holiday like deep rabbit hole and i'm like oh yeah we're all gonna die and we're all gonna be bullshit and like just ashes like why i'm not gonna play other people's games but here's the, the thing i want to wrap up with as i left that weekend a little angry at myself because i've experienced envy pretty hardcore 
and I experienced like inadequacy of like, you know, a lot of places where I go, I'm the big shot there. We were the low, we were probably below average in terms of traditional success. And I remember being there and I'm like, I am nothing and I should want more and I should achieve more. And I remember feeling that way and I felt guilty that I felt that way. I was like, why, why am I like, you know, why am I feeling envy? This is envy is like the, one of the worst, uh, feelings you should, you can have envy is in some regards worse than hate. Uh, and so like, I remember feeling envy and I was like, fuck, I, I'm falling down the traps. I'm falling, I'm doing it. I'm doing what everyone says you do and we all know you're not supposed to do. And I said forever, I wouldn't feel that way. I made the number that I made and I thought I won't want any more after that. And I am wanting more and I'm, I'm, I'm giving into it. And I felt really guilty about that. I know exactly what you mean. Um, I'll tell you what worked for me to like, it's like, a, it's like a hunger pang, right? You can't prevent yourself from feeling hungry but you can choose how you're going to satisfy that, right? How you're going to address it. And uh, I told, I had come on the pod before when I had visited that person's house that like, they had like a $20 million house. And I was like, wow, this is just incredible. And, and I, I wasted the first two days just kind of like being envious and, or like bullshitting about why this was like, yeah, but you know, I, I want to focus on family, like, you know, coming up with these like other things. I was like, yeah, yeah this is, this is actually bad for these reasons. Yeah, just cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah, just like trying to convince myself that I was good. And and so, you know, and and what I had come away with there was like, actually the right way to handle that moment is to just reframe it like, oh, this is sick. I'm getting to sample a set of options to see which one I want. Oh, okay, you have this and you live this lifestyle. Tell me about that. I want to hear about that. I want to just, this is just the, the person walking around at the party with the tray. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll try the bruschetta. Okay. Do I like bruschetta? Is that what I want? Okay. Now let me try the shrimp. Okay. Is that what I want? Is that what I like? So that's how I, that's at this place. I didn't feel the envy per se, because as soon as it came up, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm getting, this guy lives in Puerto Rico and does this, this, and this. Instead of feeling jealous, I pay so much in taxes and he doesn't let me learn about that. This person has this wild success and they kind of work this one, one week out of a month. All right. Is that what I want? What's that like? You know, tell me about that. You know, like I was getting the sample which just helps me figure out what do I really want, and I get ex- you, more broad exposure. And at the end of the day, you're 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 the one that brought them all together, though. So, uh, like, it, but I I definitely know what you mean, dude. When it was like, all right, let's go around the circle and like tell what's your story, what's your what's your thing. I'm like, oh damn, my little like you know cricket level of success compared to the whales. You know, like it, there is a moment where you panic. I've always had this in any group setting where they're like, say your name and you know an interesting thing about you. It's like, you know, for a moment, my initial reaction is like, there's nothing interesting about me. Not one iota of me is interesting. I should just leave the room. How far away is the fire alarm? What happens if I vomit? Do I have to do this? Like, you know, like there's that, that happens in three seconds. And then my body's like, oh, wait, what do you do? What are you talking about? Like, and then I come back to normal, but I, that reaction happens to me in these group settings for sure. That was, uh, I, I, I remember I felt the exact same way and I was like, I am nothing. Uh, (laughs) so, but uh, here, it kind of made me feel better when people who I didn't know told me about my life and I'm like, ah, fucker, you listen, got you. Like, you know what I mean? So so I gotta tell you that was a a little better. Totally unrelated story, but you just reminded me of it. It's so hilarious. Once upon, back in the day, me and my buddies used to go gamble a lot. We didn't have much money. We were just fresh out of college. We basically had won a business plan competition and we were like extending the runway by going and playing poker and like trying to like win a few extra thousand dollars doing it. But sometimes we would lose. And so who knows? We probably netted out, you know, slightly down. 
anyways, one of the guys, he would play table games where you have no edge. You're you're going to lose. And so he'd go play craps, or whatever. And when he would lose, we'd be like, all right, man, like we should cut it off. And he's like, hold on, let me just go get a coffee to go to the ATM and get more money and come back. And we're like, ah, oh, dude, he's a degenerate. We got to stop him. But we didn't. So we came back up to the hotel room and he's gone for like another five hours, 5 a.m. He comes back into the room and I wake up because I hear the noise and he doesn't know that I'm awake. We're, we're asleep. He doesn't know that, that I'm awake. And he's he comes up to the he stands in front of the mirror in the hotel room. And actually, first he goes to the bathroom, changes into the robe, which is always the sign of somebody trying to get their value out of the hotel room because they lost a bunch of money in the casino. This is a little tip for degenerates. It's when they start using all the shampoos and stuff, they're trying to get back at the casino. So he goes, comes out in a robe. He's looking at the mirror and he just goes, you suck. You suck. And he just goes, you fat fuck. You suck. And he's just dissing himself and he just goes, and he just holds up his hand. He goes, five. Five iPhones. You lost five iPhones. He's telling himself this. And dude, I start laughing so hard. He realizes that we're awake. And then it was like, it totally lightened the mood just because of how funny the situation was. And we always reference five iPhones. We always like, how, if I go gambling, he's like, how many iPhones? I'm like, three iPhones. I lost three. I lost three iPhones. Yeah, about a stack like, you know, of phones. Rappers use like racks. Like how many racks did you lose? Yeah. Or how many racks did you win? We use iPhones. And uh, dude, I'll never forget that story. It was so funny. And that's what, that's what I was telling myself. Uh, uh, a million subscribers. You only have a million subscribers. I remember, uh, suck. delete your that, account that weekend. You and I, this channel, we hit a hundred thousand subscriber subscribers. And then I went and looked at Jimmy's numbers and I think he was adding a million a week or sorry, a million a month. I, I forget what it was, but, uh, what, or sorry, a hundred thousand a day. He was what he was adding. And I was like, yeah, we're, we were like, we just hit a hundred thousand. He goes, nice today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that's how I felt. I was like, "Oh, we suck. We suck so hard." Uh, I felt that way. Uh, ben, are people? Is this? I, is this going to be a great episode? I, I, I got so much energy from this. This is definitely self indulgent, but like, who cares? I needed to debrief this, and and I would Me say too. like, I you know, some about parts this. were patting ourselves the back. Some parts were making fun of us ourselves, sometimes making fun of other people. I hope we weren't hard on anybody. Uh, you know, Ben, what do you think? Um, it's good. The one thing we didn't talk about was the actual basketball, which I just, you know, Oh, oh you know, yeah. So thought. here's the, the reason Ben saying that. So in, in terms of yeah. best basketball, well, players, what a coincidence, Ben, it was, you bring up <laughs> it was like Ben was number one. And then Nick Huber was like probably number two or number three. Commodore was two or number three, but Ben was clearly the best. And at one point, Ben, I think a couple times he dunked in the game, but at one point he like dunked on Jimmy and there's a perfect picture. Ben was without a doubt the best basketball player there. That, 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 that was, a, that was for sure. So I have to tell you, uh, before going, I talked to my wife and I was like, you know, I think a big, I think I'm going to be the best person there, but like a big struggle for me is I want to like keep everything in check. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of people there with a lot of money, a lot of influence, like a lot of a big audience, like they could do things for me in the future. I don't want to like offend anyone or upset anyone. <laughs> like keep keep one so, in check. Like I don't want to embarrass anybody or like be too competitive. Yeah, like, and, or just like seem like a ball hog or like yeah. come off the wrong way. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, I just want to make sure everyone has a good time. Everyone has fun. So I go and literally, and for like five minutes, I'm good for like five minutes. I'm just playing in the flow of the game, make sure everyone has a good time. And then Nick Huber comes down and like does a little move on me and scores. And Sean, <laughs> I don't know if you did this on purpose. Sean comes over and is like, 
dang, Nick Huber is good. I think he's the best one here. <laughs> and I lose it. I lost it. I like immediately went out of my mind. I was like, you think he's the best no, one no, here? I'll tell you exactly what you said. We're in the middle of a game, by the way. This is not like I, didn't, like, I don't even know how we were having such a conversation, but I was like, I said something. Like, I was like, damn. I was like, Nick's good. I was like, Nick's good. we got to guard Nick. I think he's the best one here. And because um, we don't know anybody here, right? We don't even know who's, who plays, who doesn't play. Like we're all finding out in the first five minutes, like who knows how to ball, who doesn't. And, um, and Ben goes, F that. Uh, he goes, F that. I'm guarding him. And you want to go, you go, F that. I'm the best player here. I'm guarding him. And, and then you, and then you proceeded to, so then that, whatever you proceeded. I think I said, I'm shutting him down. Yeah. You go, I'm shutting him down. And, uh, and so you, whatever you, you, you go, we score, we ended up winning that game. And, uh, and then like, whatever I subbed out, whatever. And so five minutes later, Nick subs out of the game and he's just walking away, muttering to himself. He just goes, I can't have him score on Ben. He's like a wall. <laughs> and I was like, wow, mission accomplished. Like you really flipped that switch. And it, and it was so fun to see it because honestly, every, every moment I've interacted with you outside of that game or like pick up basketball, you are, if I would just describe you as too nice, you are, you know, like you are overly nice. You are overly, you know, you're a very polite guy. You are low ego, very, very humble, too humble. I want you to have more of an edge and an ego and, want to make your podcast the biggest podcast in the world. And like, I never saw that until we were playing basketball. And I saw a different side of you. you, you Dude, you, I was talking, I was talking shit to him just to get him fired up. And he like, just was, he did the same thing to me where he just was like, he just had his way with me. And, but I was talking shit to him constantly just to get him going. And he totally got going. And uh, Sean, you were really good too. You, you, in that last game, you had a bunch of threes. Uh, you were shooting good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked about Sean's big moment. Uh, what was the big moment? The, the half court shot? No, the the big moment was when we were in the championship game, and uh, I think my back was failing a little bit. We were on the same team. Yeah, what was going I on? You were care. looking like you were in pain. I didn't understand that, but I was like, okay, give me the ball. <laughs> so you guys know that like big dunk I had uh, early on. I threw my back out when I did that dunk. So ah, for okay. the whole rest of the day, I had like no lift, and I, I was in like pretty severe pain. And uh, and. Um, so we were going to lose, like we we're going to lose pretty bad. And then Sean, how many points did you have? You hit like four threes in a row and like a couple twos. You like yeah. took over the game. Yeah, I was also lucky that I was fresh. I had went and dropped Hudson off at the airport. So I came back in like right for the playoffs. Basically, everybody had been playing for like, you know, an hour before that. And I got to come in completely fresh. So that was kind of lucky. Um, and then Sam, we, um, uh, uh, we don't have a moment where you dunked or took over the game, but I do have an award for you. We, me and Ben, uh, Ben Levy, we started creating some awards for people and I'll just give you a sneak preview. Your award is person who most played basketball like it was football. <laughs> <laughs> you I didn't are know the rules. physical mother effort, man. You like, dude, if I was guarding you, you're the only person that anybody else there. Okay. They could score on me, whatever, but I'm never going to call for a switch. I'm going to be like, I got this guy. If I was guarding Sam, I'd be like, uh, who wants to switch? I am not looking to be like a battering ram right now. Uh, nobody else started boxing out earlier than you. <laughs> well, well, I go to bed and Commodore, I go, hey guys, I don't really know the rules. I can't dribble. I can't really do anything. What would you like me to do? They're like, well, you got a big ass and you can jump high. So just like uh, stay down low and just jump up and grab the ball and give it to me. And I go, oh, yes, sir. I, I got you. I got you, Captain. And so yeah, that's all I did. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, let's do it again. All right. That's the up. Uh,